what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson, with me, Chris Fry, and we both serve as the founders and the current directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival Located right here in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina, Western North Carolina. Chris, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm uh, looking forward to talking about a film that you and I had kind of waffled on whether or not we were going to talk about, and I'm glad we I'm glad we chose to talk about it because uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Okay, all right. Well, the film he is referring to is the latest DC Universe. I guess I don't know. It's a DC film. I don't know it where it falls and things, but it is Blue Beetle. We're just going to leave it at that. Blue Beetle, <laughs> yes. directed by uh, Angel Manuel Soto. Uh, we will be discussing that film here in just a moment. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, I'm kind of excited, Chris. I love when we dip into some trailers of films that are upcoming. Yes. I've actually got four wow. trailers. It's going to be kind of a massive trailer, trailer palooza that we're going to go into. Of some films, and like you said before, we, off, off, off mic, didn't know there was that many films actually coming out in the yeah. next little bit. Well, yeah, me neither. There actually are a couple I do want to explore those. So, yeah. so we'll do a look at some trailers and talk through those after our review. But let's go ahead and get right into the main course. Let's talk about the latest superhero action film. Uh, this one starring a superhero may not be as known to a lot of people, but we are going to discuss the film anyway. The review is for the film Blue Beetle. Did you know what was going to happen to my brother when you stuck him with this world-destroying thing? It's called the Scarab. I had no idea it would activate. It has to choose you. So how do we get it to unchoose me? Host acquired. Who said that? Systems tracking. Three, Origin stories, a common trope for the these days all-too-common comic book movie. Blue Beetle tells this origin story of Jaime Reyes being chosen by an alien scarab to be its symbiotic host, giving him extraordinary powers and thus becoming the superhero known to some people as Blue Beetle. Originally, this film was set to be an exclusive for HBO Max. I refuse to call it Max, just like I won't call Twitter X. What was your experience with the film, Alan? And do you think it was worthy of its theatrical release promotion? Um, yeah, it, you brought up a good point about it being, it was slated for being basically a streaming only movie. Yeah. That is the way this film kind of plays. It plays like a streaming, a, a straight to streaming movie. It's bordering right on that line where it's just got enough to maybe get a theatrical release, but really it, it's such a slight, slight movie and, and both its production value and its acting and so many things. It is very slight, I guess is the way I would kind of refer to it. It is, 
It's a shame. I feel bad for this movie, Chris. I, I think you and I are on the same page. Okay. Yeah. I feel bad for this movie. Okay. Because you've got a great setup. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that this movie uh, takes a little bit of a slightly different angle on a superhero story where you have family. Family as an element. You've got the cultural aspect of the background of the, of the lead character and his family around him. The family in this movie is not just some throwaway like side character that you see like a couple minutes at the beginning, a couple minutes at the end. I mean, they actually play an integral part of the film. I like all of those elements, but it just gets dropped into the most stereotypical cliche by the numbers uh, superhero story. And that's where it was disappointing. You had the chance to do something very different. And I think there was intentions to want to do something different. But it just feels like this just got shoved into a corporate package where, nope, this is the way we got to do it. Even down to the villain, villains are so bad in this. And it's just so cliche and so stereotypical. I feel bad. I I feel bad for um, the lead actor, who I really like. I think the lead actor, um, the Zolo, um, Maridanda. I am not yep. familiar with him. I know he is in Cobra Kai, which right. a lot of people, I've never seen the show, but I know he plays Jamie Reyes and he's really good. He's very charming. He's a, he's a good young actor. And I like, I like for the most part, his family. I think they, they, they were, they were fun to watch as well, but it's just a shame because you feel like there's something that they could have done different and unique and interesting with this movie. And instead they said, no, we're still going to put him in a, a, a suit of armor, very much like an Iron Man thing. We're going to put him up against a bad guy that's basically just a generic bad guy that also has a bigger suit of armor. Um, <laughs> you know, Susan Sarandon. Does, does, she, does she know she's in the movie? Yeah, does she? I, I don't understand. That yeah. was a, such a bad casting choice, and it just didn't work. No. She was n- not at all believable as the villain in this film. And so overall, I just feel bad. I feel like this is a good concept, a good idea, a good tone that they wanted to instill to this film even kind of giving a little 80s vibe and music and some it was great but it just got shoved into a such a boring stereotypical uh superhero cliched movies so it's disappointing but i feel more bad for it than i do like have any contempt for it so um chris where are you with this so film? yeah i'll kind of it sounds like you and i are on the same page i i I appreciated the Latino culture that it was being used to provide kind of a grounding reality to what would otherwise just be yet another superhero origin story. If you're going to trod familiar ground, at least give us a new slant, not just another white dude becoming a superhero. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they did that with this. Yeah. Um, the opening titles, the colors and the style and the retro kind of like almost stranger things type music they did at the beginning. And that kind of gave it also kind of an interesting tone, but I agree. It just, Overall, they were still shoving it into a very familiar box, and it and it didn't work. Um, and I was I was disappointed too because I felt like this might be kind of like the Black Panther for DC, where they mm-hmm. you know, that was giving us a culture. This was saying, okay, here's something different. Here's this Latino culture and like this family and like basing it around family and not just having it drop away, but play an integral role. Yeah, all those things. But it just didn't do it justice. And I guess maybe the disappointing thing, too, is that going in, maybe it was the fact that it was never intended for a theatrical release. And so they didn't put the money in it. They didn't really put the time in it. They just said, oh, this is just something that's going to be 
good enough. Passable entertainment. And yeah. I, I feel really bad. Like you say, I just come away feeling really bad because I think the story, the actors, everything deserved more. And there were hints of more, but just, it just fell short. And I think, like you said, the biggest weakness of the film was the lackluster villain played by Susan Trandon, Victoria Cord, which is just this kind of stereotypical big corporation, I'm evil type thing. Well, and she's not even a consistent character either. <laughs> I mean, she would go from one scene where she's quite honestly, almost like twir- twirling her mustache and like evil right. to the next scene, you know, especially dealing with the fact that she's, it's kind of a pseudo family member that she's kind of sparring with in there, which I didn't really understand either. Right. And the next minute she seems kind of compassionate or trying to like make her case of why she, and it just, there was never a consistent tone with it. And it just seems so, um, cliched every, every line out of her, out of her mouth was, was you expect, you knew exactly what she was going to say before she said the words. And that, that was a shame too. So yeah, the villain, the villain side of it didn't work. I, I loved all the moments we did spend with the family where we just got to see the family dynamics. I think those were fun. I did like the lead character. I, you know, look, if I hadn't already sat through 35 uh, superhero <laughs> movies in the last 20 years, sure. The Blue Beetle, you know, the costume and the powers and all that, eh, kind of cool. It's like they would have been kind of fun, kind of fun to play with. But again, it just, they didn't do anything different or unique with it. So it makes it just seem so carbon copy to everything we've already seen so many times before. And that's a shame. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it's just more of a it's just more of a disappointing movie in that there were some really great elements and really great style and tone that they were trying to convey, and I just you could just you almost just felt like you were watching the the studio and the the machinations of the the industry kind of forcing their way in as you're watching this movie. It's like, oh well, no, we got to have we got to have this type of dynamic. We got to have this kind of character, and we've got to have this. Oh, there's got to be a big fight where the two of them just pummel each other for like you know 20 minutes and a big CGI fight. Sure, it's like ah, oh, just it just didn't have to go that direction. So I'll say, trying to you know hit a positive, something that um, I enjoyed. Um, I I know very very little about this character, but what I did know kind of confused me because I grew up, you know, in the eighties and I remember reading a blue beetle comic book and it was, it was a white dude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is just a different take or they're recontextualizing it. But they actually hint at some of what I remember from my Mm -hmm. childhood of a blue beetle character. And I thought that was, I enjoyed it from the fanboy perspective. I thought it was clever how they kind of wove that in. But like with some of the other things we've talked about, just kind of dropped and not really well, explained it was kind of very rushed in some dialogue exposition it was like wait a second but what happened like it well nothing was very well explained at all in this movie (laughs) and not saying everything had to be spelled out so much but let me just let me back up because just to kind of give a quick synopsis of the film sure sure you know basically in the film does follow our lead character jamie reyes who a alien scarab which again we never really understand alien you know we just see that it's like a giant bug thing that's like in a laboratory they're looking for it you know it's, it's something of great value it's never really gone into much detail about what the scarab is what it's capable of doing anything but it chooses jamie to be it's kind of symbiote almost like a now what is it venom and type of thing yeah, it's like it's sure. grabbed on it has now bonded itself to to him right and he's a recent college graduate, so it gives him like a big suit of armor that he has all these powers now. But 
It is also something that the Cord family, which is where Susan Sarandon's villain comes in, their their Cord Industries, her company, is what's been searching for the scarab and trying to find it. I guess to power their own army or to bond with the guy who's kind of her right-hand man. Carapax. Yeah, it's it's a little muddled and it just doesn't – I don't understand – motives and what everybody's hoping to to get out of things. The the thing about the explanation that bothers me as much as I love the family dynamics and I thought they were pretty entertaining. There's a scene where Jamie becomes the blue beetle for the first time. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty horrific. I mean, mm-hmm. it's some, got some body horror going on there. Yeah. It's like pretty tough scene and it's happening right in front of his family. We've yes. already learned how tight this family is and how much, how strong the love is between these family members. As this is happening, it's kind of all played for laughs. Like everybody's reacting to it. And then he shoots off in this, in the sky and every, it's still kind of just played for laughs. I'm like, okay, this is where you, you're kind of losing me a little bit because your son, your brother, your, your loved one is going through this <laughs> incredible pain and hard trauma and, and it's kind of being played real light and for fun. Right. And then when he disappears, it's like, huh, our son just disappeared. I guess we need to try to go find him or whatever. It's like, I didn't buy that. And that kind of tipped me off to where I don't, the film never really had a desire to say, we're going to really tell you or explain anything to you about why this is happening and what this really means. Just go along for the ride and let's try to have more fun with it than, than anything. And so it just, it, it did have a tough time with tone at that point for me. Um, it redeemed itself a little bit once the kind of the, the family got involved with some rescue work and rescue mission later on as a little unbelievable. It's a little over the top, but I still enjoyed it because at least it was different than what we typically see. Yeah. You know? Well, see, interestingly enough, I, you know, I enjoyed the family aspect, but something that confused me when the family did get involved towards the end, um, I liked Jaime cause it's Jamie Jaime, but he goes, okay, by Jaime. Yeah. Jaime. but yeah, he kind of extols early on this no kill morality mm-hmm. because the blue beetle gives him all these powers <laughs> yeah, I know and you're, you're laughing. Going. I know you're going and he uses these, but he's like, Oh, I don't kill. I just want to like basically stop people, disarm them, whatever. And that happens. Now he has some struggles with that later in the film. And that's not what I have a problem with. What I have a problem with or was confused by, I thought it was undermined that whole interesting point about, you know, there's a lot of gun violence in movies these days and kind of trying to, work against that flow. I was like, okay, then he's undermined by his gleeful granny using like a Gatling gun type weapon Mm. to mow people down. And I was like, wait a second. And if that had been some type of commentary and then he actually says something, like if there's a conversation, then okay. Repercussions from it. But it it was really jarring for me to be using that for comedy after you'd already made a pretty big point about no kill morality. Well, there's even the giant, uh, bug ship kind of crawling through, which actually was kind of a cool scene, this giant uh, beetle bug vehicle that they're flying in and comes and lands in the place that they're trying to attack and it's stomping around. But at one point it spears a guy right. with his leg and it's kind of played for laughs again there too. And it's like, uh, Wait, they, they just, yeah, they just totally murdered that guy. Right. But yeah, you're right. There is a, there's a weird balance with all that as well. And, it, yeah. and additionally, so that was weird. And then it kind of gets compounded when Carapax, you learn a little bit about his backstory, but it's kind of very tossed off. There's like, whether it was a cartel or governments getting involved in his childhood and people being killed, and it's just kind of rushed at the end. So then it's like this interesting, 
he is who he was from his past or mm-hmm. he's from, and the grandmother has this past of maybe being like a guerrilla rebel or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so tossed off in a dismissive way. And I'm like, wait a minute, if you're going to care and set this in a Latino culture and have this family and everything, you need to make me understand as an outsider, what these people are act- not just kind of throw it away dismissively. And I thought it was kind of a disservice. I guess it was, you know, trying to set like a political point type thing, but it was, it was not doing it well. (laughs) Tone was a little bit of a problem. And it's like, do we play this all for fun and laughs? Do we try to have some serious messages about, you know, family and about, um, yeah, the whole, you know, we don't kill, we have a higher ethic code on this. Yeah. It got very muddled because it'd go from one scene to the next where it kind of contradicts itself quite a bit. Right. Um, yeah, I mean that that's the thing is I think I think good elements, good setting, good characters put into a very uh cliché standard movie that doesn't really want to take the time to explore what it's trying to say or what it wants you to leave with or explaining anything about why things are happening and what's going on. So it's a very, very, very high level surface movie from that standpoint. And it's just, um, yeah, I mean, disappointing is the only way I can come away with it because it's just this, like you said, this film deserved more with the elements going into it. Um, Alan, yeah. explain to me, what was the thinking behind uncle Rudy played by George Lopez his hairstyle and facial hair. What, what was the thinking behind that? I don't, I, I know they were, they portrayed him as a, uh, conspiracy theory, um, kind of, he, I guess he's a tech guy as well. Although that kind of came out of nowhere when they're in the lab at one point and he just miraculously knows how to hack right. into a, didn't know that was a thing he did. Yeah. It was a, it was an odd character. I mean, I know what they were going for is they wanted kind of the, the funny, crazy uncle, kind of that character that's just going to be... just let him be George Lopez? Like, be the funny, right. crazy character without all this, like, crazy, like... I don't know. Long ponytail, almost dread hair, and then this, like, ridiculous yeah. fake mustache and beard combo. It's just... I uh, think they're just going a little little, a little too stereotypical with it. So, yeah, <laughs> right. trying to go a little too much on it. Um, yeah, what other thoughts you have on Blue Beetle? Anything else you want to call out? No, um... Just, just disappointed, and I, I feel like you say I, I, I alluded to it when we were at the intro of the show where this movie was coming out, and both of us, you know, were like, oh well, it's just another comic book movie. But what made me interested in wanting to see it was the fact of the the representation element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know ultimately we're like, well, let's let's give it a shot. Let's see what it is, and it just it fell short, which really makes me sad. Yeah, it's a it's, it's a real shame because I mean I know that this film is kind of stuck in a weird spot right now, and that true, you know, they've already said that they're kind of rebooting the whole. DC universe, James Gunn, you know, directors kind of coming in and cleaning slate. Although there's been mixed messages. I've heard at points that blue beetle was kind of the quote start of this. Like so in other I was words, wondering, so yeah, yeah. James Gunn, obviously flash had been done before he came aboard, which we reviewed earlier this year, but this had also been done or this was wrapping up as he was. I so think was he was wrapping up. Official? Yeah. He didn't have any hand in okay. actually the production of this. Gotcha. He wasn't leading at that point, okay. but he has made comments that, yeah, Blue Beetle's kind of starting our new thing. So the idea is that, are they keeping this character? Or are they keeping this actor? Or are they going to do more with him? I'd be okay with that. I'm like, I, I, 
I like the actor. I like the setup of the character. I mean, if you're going to do something with them, just let's do something interesting. Let's do something different and unique and not just, you know, put him, I, I, I felt like with this character, and again, I, I know it's based off a comic character. Sure. Yes, it's the second generation of that character. There's the um, Ted Lord or Ted Cord is the original one who is related to the Cord family that we meet here. Right. And then, yes, Jaime Reyes is the second generation of Blue Beetle in the comics as well. Um, but I, I felt like this movie couldn't decide if if the the main the the superhero character needed to be. Was it? Was he Deadpool? Was he Spider Man? <laughs> was he Iron Man? It's like it's almost like a conglomeration of all a PG those. Oh yeah, Deadpool. a PG Deadpool. Right. But I think they even bring in a song at the end in the uh, post credits. That was a song played in the Deadpool movie, which I just think is actually. I found the music really the music cues or whatever needle drops. I found them really disappointing mm-hmm. because you talked about the one scene with the Beatle ship stomping around. Okay, but they threw in a Motley, Motley Crue song, which I'm like, I don't see how that's, A, it's not from like the 80s, and it's not like present. So I don't see what you're really trying to hit there, mm-hmm. because to me, it just seemed kind of lazy. Yeah. Which, you know, was. there again. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's that's Blue Beetle. So we were both let down by it, but not not because of what the film, I think, was trying to do. It's just the fact that it ended up being so uh, slight and so uninteresting at the end of the day and fitting itself into a, such a stereotypical superhero formula template right? and disappointing villains, uh, muddled uh, tone, muddled uh, messaging of, you know, who this character is and his family and what their values are. So it's a, it was, it was a letdown. This, the, I would have liked to have seen this film do more for sure. So, all right. Well, that is Blue Beetle. It is still playing in theaters. Don't know how long. It didn't really do too great in box office wise. But uh, um, if you're a DC movie completist, sure. I mean, it is a movie I think plays okay. Uh, you know, in a background on home video streaming. I think once you know, it does end up on, I think uh, it actually HBO probably Max. be a pretty good watch there. Yeah, so. I don't think because your expectations aren't as high, and yeah, yeah but so. paying ten dollars or whatever ticket prices are to go into a movie theater to see it is a little. Sure, it was a little let down. So, all right, well, that is Blue Beetle, and let's go ahead and move on, Chris. Into well, we're going to take a break, and then we'll move on to our next section. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I've got a Trailer Palooza to share with Chris, and we'll get some reactions on uh, several different trailers of movies coming up very soon. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit TheJacksonCreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. We had our review of Blue Beetle, the latest DC Universe thing movie earlier in the, the show. But now let's turn our attentions to films coming up soon. Okay. Uh, Chris, I love trailers. It's a guilty habit. I know trailers <laughs> can be bad for us. I know they can sometimes spoil a movie. I know they can sometimes set expectations that we shouldn't have. 
but I still love my movie trailers. I think there's an art form in themselves and watching a really good trailer. Absolutely. So that's why I'm excited to say when I was trying to figure out what trailers to show today, I'm like, you know what? I got four of them. Darn it. I'm showing all of them. Let's do Let's it. Let's do this. Okay. Now I'm a, the sequencing of these four trailers is important. I need to make sure I'm kind of <laughs> playing this the right way. Okay. So let's, um, let's do this one first. Okay. I think we've discussed this film, but we had not seen any actual footage from it. And okay. this is a film that's going to be coming to Netflix. Okay. November 10th. Okay. It is the latest film. From director, and I just forgot his name. Where is <laughs> so his it's name? not Killers of the Flower Moon and Mars It is not <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. I doubt you would forget that. I would okay. not forget. I should not be forgetting this one either. Okay. But I am. Why am I forgetting this director's name? <laughs> Hold on. I mean, come on. It's it's uh, Seven in Fight Club. And oh, David Fincher. Fincher. David yeah. Fincher. Thank you. David Fincher. As soon as I said the name of the film, I got it. This is The Killer. This is the Michael Fassbender film. That is uh, David Fincher's uh, it's the first David Fincher film since Mank, I believe. Um, which which was also a Netflix a, joint. And you're not a fan of. No. Um, let's see if this one maybe uh, hits your buttons a little better than okay. Mank did. How about that? So this is the trailer for The Killer starring Michael Fassbender, directed by David Fincher. Stick to your plan. Trust no one. Stick to the plan. Forbid empathy. Stick to the plan. Anticipate. Don't improvise. Stick to your plan. Never yield an advantage. All right, so that is The Killer coming out on Netflix, November 10th. David Fincher, director, Michael Fassbender, and Tilda Swinton starring in this film. Chris? And also coming to theaters in October. Oh, that's right. Enough. It is coming out to the theaters a little earlier than that, but it will be, uh, yeah, select theaters in October and then definitely on Netflix by November 10th. So, Chris, initial thoughts? Yeah, I think, so David Fincher, I think his films are usually uh, almost always visually interesting. Subject matter, this to me seems more of what I consider to be in the David Fincher wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, Mank just didn't really seem to fit with, I, I don't know, just didn't work for me overall. Lots of stuff. Go back and listen to the review if you want to know what didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, but this one, yeah, it has a very seven feel to it and you know just definitely Gone Girl fight club vibe fight club just vibe. in terms of the, the music, the tone, the pace. I mean, everything that we were kind of thrown at imagery. Um, yeah. yeah, and Michael Fassbender, I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad to see him kind of resurfacing after the X-Men debacle of some of the, the, especially the last film of that one. But um, in a way, to me, it reminds me, like, it's like he's playing the character that was in uh, Prometheus, mm -hmm. <laughs> of that uh, robot character, except he's like a, a serial, or a killer here. He's like an, yeah, assassin, an assassin, but he's very methodical, which is very robotic. And so... Obviously, that is something Ma Michael Fassbender can do without a problem. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think it it looks pretty good. I, I agree. So, I'm excited about it. I, I I hope the trailer is a good indication of what the film's going to be like, but it looks very, very promising. So, agreed. very excited to see that. Great. So, that is The Killer 
coming to Netflix after it comes to select. I don't know if it's limited release or if it's going to be a wide release in October. It's Not interesting quite sure. with that whole model because I think they're doing the same thing with uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Scorsese film. Well, they, they changed this week. Oh, oh. They are no longer doing a limited release rollout. Oh. They're doing a wide. And this that's Apple. That is Apple. Okay, not Netflix. But it's going to be still. a true wide release. Like they're going wide and then going to Apple. So, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I wonder how that's going to be working for Steve. You know, where a lot of people just be like, I'll just save my money. I already yeah, <laughs> watch I at home. Or will people, you know, go see it in the theater? I think so. the key is if you think you've got a movie that people are going to want to see on a big screen – and I think a David Fincher movie qualifies for that. Um, yeah. I think another one that qualifies for this is the one I'm getting ready to show you right now, too. Okay. Uh, another big name director coming back after a little bit of a, a break, and that is Michael Mann. Ah. Uh, director Michael Mann has a new movie coming out uh, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. It is called Ferrari. Gotcha. Uh, do you know what the film is about, Chris? <laughs> I'm going to guess <laughs> it's about Mr. Ferrari. You're correct. And nice. That's a car, by the way. You do know it's a car, <laughs> gotcha. right? A type of car. Right. Um, yeah. So this is the uh, film Ferrari. Uh, Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz in a Michael Mann film. So here is the, uh, the first trailer for that film. I have not seen this one, Chris. So you'll be watching it with me first time. get into one of my cars, you get in the wind. All right. So that is Ferrari. That is, um, as you could probably tell, and just hearing the trailer as you're on audio podcast here, uh, a lot of car noises. So there were <laughs> a lot of cars in that trailer. Um, Chris, a interesting trailer, uh, one line of dialogue in the whole trailer. Uh, definitely trying to go for more of a mood setting. It's actually, this is the kind of trailer I like, and that doesn't give away a lot, doesn't tell me a lot what to expect. I can gather some inferences about what the film may be about, but it's really trying to set more of a tone and, and uh, a feel for what you're going to experience. Any initial thoughts on this? I know it's kind of a slight trailer, not so, a lot to chew you know, on. But interestingly enough, what it reminds me of, which is a film that also starred Adam Driver, is a film called House of Gucci. Yeah. Um, House of Gucci... Not a good film, but I was entertained because I learned some stuff about, or at least I think I learned some stuff. Who knows? I mean, I think it was based on fact, but you know, there goes that whole discussion because it's based on true story, based on true people. But I think I learned some things about the Gucci family that I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kept me interested. Um, but overall, you know, the film didn't truly work as a whole. Um, Ferrari, I'm interested because of the cast, Adam Driver, Shailene Woodley, Penelope Cruz, all, you know, I'll like all of them. Um, Michael Mann, he's usually an interesting director. Yeah, he did Heat. He did Last of Mohicans. Okay. But just a story from what I, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about, I know it's a car and I know that it's named after a dude who made, you know, so I get that. But thinking to me, why would I want to see this movie about a rich guy who makes cars, has this lifestyle struggles with, I'm assuming his family, you know, just uh, struggles of rich people. You know, I, I, I'm just not interested in it, but I will see it because like I said, the cast, the director, and maybe I will come away learning some interesting facts mm-hmm. about Ferrari and maybe the development of the car, 
but just a guy who, because of his ego, wants to race and win and be the best. Like, okay, you know, I just well, I, don't know. I mean, it's 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 hard to tell, especially it is. like what the film's really going to be dealing with. I mean, True. I know there was a lot of personal drama that went on in the Ferrari family. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited just because I think it looks really good. Um, Michael Mann? I'm on board with Adam Driver. Yeah, granted, House of Gucci was not his finest moment, but I don't don't blame blame Driver for that. No, 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 no. This, to me, this could be Adam Driver's real showpiece acting job, in my mind. Could be. And I've heard some really good raves from people who have seen the film, because reviews have started pouring out of some early film festivals, that uh, Penelope Cruz is really, really good in this. So, yeah. just in general... um, you know, we all have different types of movies we like, obviously, stating the obvious. A car movie, not my thing. Yeah. Did I enjoy Ford versus Ferrari? Which, mm-hmm. you know, that was a movie that kind of gave us some background. I mean, it was mm-hmm. more about the Ford side than the Ferrari yeah. side. So, you know, yeah, that was an okay movie. But, you know, that's just not the genre that I go for sure. car racing movies. And biographies, yeah. you know, it's just biography of Ferrari. But... It does look interesting. So not as jazzed as you are, but still interesting. Well, and of course, it is Michael Mann, which I mean, sure. majority of Michael Mann's films have I've been fans of, I think are really, really strong and good. But, you know, he has, I mean, I think the last film he did was Black Hat, which it's not great. No. Um, not one of his finest moments. So hopefully this gets it back on, on, on equal footing. I know that there's a plan to make Heat 2. So... Did he write a, the book? Yeah, he okay. wrote the book, okay. but I think the overall desire is to turn to make into a, a film sure, at some sure. point. So, so it may be him trying to kind of get back in the swing of things a little bit on those films. All right. So that's Ferrari. Um, Ferrari is coming out. Oh, I had this just a second ago. Gosh, all of my. Do you think these dates, like the one we've been given or will give for Ferrari and then the one for um, Kills the Flower Moon and for uh, The Killer – do you think they're more likely to stick because they have a streaming release date that I guess they'll stick to and therefore their theatrical releases will stick as opposed to something like Dune, which doesn't have a streaming thing. So they can just say, oh, we're going to just bump it to March. Do you yeah, think that affects whether or not studios can move stuff around? Or? I don't know. I mean, I, I think, Do you think like basically a stated streaming date forces them to go ahead and have to stick to know. the theatrical. I don't know. Uh, I, I, Ferrari comes out December 25th. Huh. And here's my thing is if it, it has to come out in December, I believe for, for Oscar, Oscar contention, right? If it slips to 2024 because the writers and actors strike is still going on and they can't promote the film and they want to get more publicity for it. They push it and they lose that possibility of any like kind of awards Dune recognition. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the game that you got to play with a film like Ferrari. Cause obviously it is going to be in contention for awards. I mean, I think just given the pedigree of sure. the people involved, that's just kind of a foregone conclusion. It's at least going to be in that conversation. So do you still push it out December 25th, even though, I mean, if the strike's still going on, you can't have Adam driver out there promoting it, going on talk shows or doing anything to talk about it. Right. It's a it's a it's a it's a weird gamble to have to play on that. Or do you say we'd rather have the nominations, we'd rather have all the critical acclaim and milk it for everything when it comes to the Oscar ceremony? I don't sure. know. All right, well that's Ferrari coming out December twenty fifth. That does not have a streaming component to it. That is straight okay, is straight movie theater. Okay. Yep. Uh, the gotcha. plan is right now anyway. All right. Now uh let me shake it up a little. I've got one more trailer I'm kind of excited to show you. But let me show you this trailer first. Because okay, we're doing four. Right? Yeah, this okay. is number three. Okay. I've got one more to show you that I think 
I'm interested in showing to you and then me watching for the first time. Okay. This is a little bit, let's, I want to throw something a little different in here. Okay. Um, I feel like sometimes Please the trailer. Please don't make it be the Paw Patrol trailer. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not going to do that one. But I do feel like sometimes the trailers we like to profile in here are of a certain type. They are a certain pedigree. They're certain, um, you know, certain directors we like or ones we like other things. Right. Um, a, a type of film that we typically don't like to spend a lot of time talking about is a romantic comedies. Two, um, with actors that maybe haven't been around for a while um, and are kind of coming back on screen. I'll just kind of leave it at that. This this is a film, Chris, that I came, came across. Um, you remember Meg Ryan, the actress. <laughs> I do remember Meg okay. Ryan. Yes. Meg Ryan, uh, kind of queen of the the rom-com for many uh, in late 80s, early 90s, kind yes. of that time period. So she's actually directed a film before. Uh, a film called Ithaca, I believe, that film that came out a few years ago. Okay. Nobody, I didn't really hear much about it. No. But now this is she's directing a second film. Okay, it is called What Happens Later. It is starring her and David Duchovny. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. So just know this is uh, directed by Meg Ryan. It is based on a either a book or a play. I'll have to kind of follow up on that for sure afterwards. But anyway, yeah. just try to throw something different at us. Here's a trailer for. What happens next? Or how, what happens later? Hello, Wilhelmina. Hello, William. How have you been? Oh, for the last 20 years. 25, maybe. I've been 49 forever and ever and wow, ever. Wow, lucky you. I feel like I've been in my 50s since my 20s. <laughs> That's so true. Now, you don't have to agree with me. Attention, Boston and Austin passengers. Those flights have been delayed until further notice. Just those two flights? Just us. Yes. That's unbelievable. unbelievable. Like I said, just something I want to throw a little different at you. All right. Looks like we've got a, uh, you know, kind of a, a meetup of a couple that obviously have a, a history together in an airport setting, but it seems to have some sort of fantastical elements to it. Seems like that, uh, I don't know whether it's dreamlike, whether there's uh, the airport itself as a character. I don't know. I'm not quite sure where they're going with that, but um, kind of interesting. But what did you take away from that? Yeah, it's. It looks interesting. And, I, you know, it is more, it looks like, to be kind of a romantic comedy, but being kind of self-aware of that fact mm-hmm. and making jokes about it. Um, it would seem that Duchovny and Ryan have are movie stars that have been in these type of movies before, and they have drifted apart, and now they have this forced meeting in an airport, and, you know, things are shutting down, flights are being delayed, and they're sport, forced to spend time together. Um, interestingly enough, it reminded me, of something like a vehicle that would be for George Clooney, like Mm. kind of like an up in the air somehow sequel, but not sequel because he wasn't a movie star in that. But like, it seems like it would be a a role for maybe like George Clooney and Nicole Kidman Mm -hmm. or something like they would be playing the Meg Ryan, David Duchovny roles. Um, But I don't, something about what's edited in the trailer, the chemistry that seems to come off between Duchovny and Ryan seems like it really is working. Um, it is an interesting premise. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually interested to see it. Um, yeah. I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about the first movie that she made. Um, do you know she starred in the first movie? That, okay, she did. So well, she, I don't think she was the lead, but I think okay. she was in She was in the movie. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. it, it looks, you know, and if they schedule this, I think it just says coming soon. I don't know that we have a release date for it. But if you slotted this in theaters, November, December, this could make, a you know, if it's kind of a feel-good Romantic comedy type thing that kind of makes you think, and you know, 
I, I don't know. It, it could it could actually make some big big money. So uh, well, depending on look, I, I'm 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 personally happy to see Meg Ryan sure on screen. I'm happy to see David Duchovny on screen. Yeah, I like the two of them quite yeah, a bit. I do too. Um, and haven't they, seen them for a while. Yeah. So. so they're saying October 13th. Okay, is the date, and it is a theatrical release. Okay. they're planning. So we'll see. It could be mid October. You may be right. Uh, that may be the perfect time to say, "Hey, look, you know, let's drop in a, a, a more adult uh, skewed uh, romantic comedy." And see what happens. And, uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll review it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, who knows? I mean, probably could be bringing it to our film society, too. <laughs> there, you know, we'll have to see go. about that. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I kind of stumbled across that and thought, you know what? It's not typically the kind of film we like to kind of profile as much, but it's worth, it's worth a look. It's worth talking about. And that was what happens later? Later. Okay. Correct. Okay. Now, the last one, Chris. What was your favorite film of 2021? Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I think you're going to show me which I, the film is premiering at Telluride. Mm-hmm. It's Salt. Saltburn. Saltburn. Yes. Yeah, so the, the answer to your question, that would be Promising Young Woman. Yes. A very divisive film. Um, I liked, I admit it's troubling enough, but I, I liked it obviously a lot. Um, this is Emerald Fennell's new film. I have heard like it was basically like, oh, you think Promising Young Woman was divisive? Here, hold my beer, and she's made this. Hmm. Um, I am very, very curious. Have not seen this trailer. I can't wait to see the trailer. Okay. Well, as you just said, uh, the Promising Young Woman writer, director, Emerald uh, Fennell. Fennell. Fennell, yeah. Fennell, I'm sorry. Emerald Fennell. Who also played, um, was it Midge and Barbie? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, this is her second feature film, and it is Saltburn. It is starring, uh, let's see, I had the names here, Barry Kagan. Oh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so let's take a look at the trailer for the first time here of Saltburn. Oh, <laughs> nice tux. Thank you. Wow. It's a rental, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Where, where are we going, Felix? You think you'll go home? Honestly? Home doesn't mean the same for me as it does for you, Felix. Well, why don't you come home with me? Come to Saltburn. All right. That is the trailer for Saltburn. So, Chris, initial thoughts, feedback? Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious. Uh, Emerald Fennell, she she seems to have a visual style that she did in Promising Young Woman that, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm in. The the actors that are lined up for this, Barry King and uh, Rosamund Pike, yep, I'm, I'm there for. So I will say I could see a possible criticism being lobbed at the film, although I haven't seen it, but based on what I can tell from the trailer, an exploration of class, the haves versus the have-nots. It seems like Barry Keegan is kind of a have-not entering mm-hmm. into the world of the haves, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the extremely rich. Um, been done before, mm-hmm. uh, or at least I think this type of thing has been done before. I haven't seen the film. So will it just be kind of like another one of those people like, oh, it's been done better by somebody else? I am interested to see Emerald Fennell's take on it. So, um, yeah, in, well, intrigued. Because, I mean, you could have argued if you'd heard the premise for Promising Young Woman. I'm like, oh, okay, it's, you know, woman empowerment against, you know, male-dominated. 
It's like, well, but they took a spin on that I, and they I took an they interesting did. take, which hopefully they do the same here too. Sure. So no, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Actually all four of these movies, Chris, I'm kind of now looking forward to see even what happened later, which is not one that would have been on my radar, but all four of these, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting the dates down. I am planning awesome. on seeing all of them as they come about. So Saltburn is set to release. I think it said select theaters in November. November 24th. Okay. Correct. So, so obviously uh, they'll select a theater in Hickory, North Carolina. To be the well, that is theater. definitely the definition of select. I mean, it's theaters. LA, New York, Hickory. Hickory. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we've got killer coming out, uh, October, November. We've got uh, Ferrari coming out December. What happens later coming out October in Saltburn, November, possibly December for wider release. So, okay. Well, that is what we've got today to share, Chris. Out of those four, which one are you the most excited about? Which one? Would, if you had to pick one that you could have get a ticket for and the other three were going to incinerate in front of you and never exist as films, which one would you pick? Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Saltburn. Saltburn? Yeah, okay. just because, I mean, I like Fincher, but I've seen enough of his work and only being the second film for Mental Film, I'm like, okay, I, I don't really know what yeah. to expect. So yeah, Saltburn. Uh, I'm going to have to go with The Killer for me just because it's it's just right up my vibe. I, I, I And Michael Fassbender, I love really good Fassbender. <laughs> I love really good uh, um, um uh, David Fincher. Fincher so sure. um, and this is, I love that fight club. I love uh, some of his earlier films that this seems to have a lot more connection with. I'm, I'm excited for that one. And then probably Saltburn and Ferrari than what happens later. So um, see, I might would even put what happens later above Ferrari. Yeah. Okay. It's not, not quite your cup of tea. I get it. So, all right. Lots of good films come up. As we were just talking a few weeks ago, we're like, oh my gosh, what films are going to be coming out? Are there going to be any good ones to show this? No, right now, as it stands today, they're all still coming out this year. Now, of course, these things could change. Sure. I'm sure because many of these have big name stars behind them. They want to get their promotion dollars. If they're willing to skew any Oscar nominations for 2023, they'd push it off into 2024 to get more publicity. We will see. We know that's been happening with some films already. These four right now, as it stands, are 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 set. So, uh, all right, Chris. If any, oh, but I know we've got something we got to plug. Really important going on this month. But why don't you go ahead and give us our wrap up stuff of how people can contact us, and then we'll make sure we talk about that as well. You can send us an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm, Facebook footcandlefilm society, Instagram threads. We're just simply footcandlefilm. Uh, Al and I are also on Letterboxd, where we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes. Do us a favor. If you like the show, give us a star rating, write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts on, because it'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. Then, Alan has alluded to it, the 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival, coming September 15th through the 24th. It'll be here in Hickory, North Carolina. And uh, we are very excited about it. You can find out a full listing of the films as well as get tickets at footcandlefilmfestival.com. And uh, we would encourage you to do so. We'd love to see you come out to the festival. Absolutely. It's going to be a great time. Go to the website, check out the schedule of films and activities going on, and uh, you can buy individual tickets or you can get a pass for the entire week. And we will be out there. Come by, say hi. Um, we'll just love to see you at the festival and, uh, we got some great films coming in and great filmmakers coming in to talk about them. So it should be a, uh, should be a fun time. All right, Chris, we're going to go and wrap it up then. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of candle films. 
We will be back next week with another review and some additional news or updates for you. So until then, stay tuned and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.